Welcome, everyone, to the Brandology Podcast. We want this to be something that we ourselves find value in and want to listen to. I'm your host, Mark Mosier. Alongside me is co-host David Morrow. Each episode, we explore leadership, culture, brands, and interview leading business professionals and civic leaders. We also play brand culture trivia against our guests to make the experience entertaining and fun. So come join us and enjoy. And please don't forget to download the episodes and leave us a review. Thanks. Let's begin. All right. Welcome, everyone, to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, David Morrow. And in the studio with me today is the illustrious co-host, Mark Mosher. Mark, how are you, sir? I'm wonderful, David. Um, I will take my... Welcome uh, back. I will Welcome take, back. I will take my laryngitis uh, early onset, and I will push push that against your uh, tin can and string uh, audio recording. And I think I may, I may win that challenge. Yes. I may beat you there. I've got, I've got a double I've got a double hamster wheel going right now for my audio. So there's a good there's a really thick rubber band holding this whole thing together. So uh, in the studio today, we're very excited. Uh, we have Dawn Kirk, uh, executive business coach, speaker, and author um, of a new book. Uh, Dawn, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. Good. Well, we're excited about having you. So um, tell us about yourself first, just from the top, right? Kind of who are you? What is it that you do? You know, tell the, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Wow. Okay. So again, I'm an executive business coach, speaker, and author. I have spent, wow, 26 years previous to now um, in corporate America for two Fortune 100 companies, PepsiCo for 18 and a half years, and um, the Coca-Cola company for almost eight years. I'm a wife of 26 years plus. Um, I have two teenage boys, 17 and 14, and um, oh, you've done I, it all. Yeah, when I'm not coaching and, and speaking and writing, I'm spending you know a tremendous amount of time with the family. They're into soccer and music and all kinds of things. So um, I'm just a huge, I'm very passionate about leadership overall. I'm very passionate about continuous learning um, and just you know living life to its fullest. That's excellent. That's fantastic. So uh, Pepsi and Coke. Um, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I think those brands are going to be big someday. I've just yeah. got an idea. I'm projecting into the future. I think those brands are going to amount to something. There might be a chance. So, yeah. There I might be a chance that people might know what those brands are. <laughs> so that's really exciting. Yeah. So can I just ask, how did you get started in that? What did you do within those massive organizations? Fortune 100. Like, what did you do in those organizations? What so was I, start, I started out right out of college um, with the Pepsi. Oh, okay. I worked for Frito Lay, which is the snack division. So you know that Frito Lay is yep. the snack company in the world. And I actually interned with them when I was still in college. And the way that I found Frito Lay was really kind of interesting because um, I remember being in the career services office. I went to the University of Iowa. And I said, you know, I want a summer job that pays a lot of money. So I literally was flipping through the book, you know, looking through descriptions and what they were paying. And I ran across this thing called Frito-Lay, didn't even really connect to what the brands were at the time. And so, wow, they're paying a lot of money. I wanna I want to apply for this job. And, and also it was in Chicago. So at the time I was living in Iowa, I'm originally from Iowa. And so I wanted to go right. to the city. And then I find out later that it's the products that I was already using, they're Lay's and Doritos. I didn't know that that was the company name. I knew everything by the brands I was eating, like Doritos and Lay's and Tostitos and things of that. Right. So that's where I started as a sales associate. So that first summer, 
I came in and did a bunch of different projects and sales projects, you know, distribution projects, etc. And then I got offered a full-time job to come back um, in their sales management training program. So in the first year, my job was to learn what the frontline folks do. So I actually was driving, if you can imagine this, you know, 18 foot, you've seen the Frito-Lay trucks on the street. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was driving one of those and literally loading products off the back of the truck, wheeling them into C stores, etc checking in with the you know store manager and putting chips up on the shelves and wow. i did that for a full year as part of my training um and then but that's great because then you know how to market it right like how to really you see you're right there when it gets delivered to the people that are pushing it out to the consumer well i must say even though it was really good right you needed to understand that at the time i hated every minute of it because i'm like oh, i just want to get to the you know, the leadership stuff and managing people and all the glitz and glamour. Oh, yeah. So I did not imagine, you know, getting up at three, four o'clock in the morning, driving this truck, you know, being out here with all these other men um, doing these <laughs> tips on the shelf. Like, how long do I have to do this? But, you know, looking back, I would not have traded that experience for the world because I would have not had the credibility. I wouldn't have understood what the people I would then be leading would go through every single day. Right. I was a much more effective leader as a result of that. Yeah, see, here's, here's where I see, like a, I see an interesting curve because, and I love the fact that you started with the stock and the shelves. You were literally putting the bags on the shelves. Mm -hmm. But then I see this curve. And from what I see at one point when you were with them, didn't you have like five or 600 sales associates under you and you you had like a 300 million dollar territory i mean that's that's a huge arc i just i absolutely. think that's really incredible absolutely so i moved from that position into a district manager role and worked my way through you know from sales into marketing into finance um into sales operations and then into my dream job which was the job that i set my eyes on the day i started the job full time which mm. was the zone sales leader role and that's the role you're talking about mark where i had yep. 600 reps and you know had responsibility uh 12 district managers working for me absolutely loved the job but again had i not done that frontline job for that first year you probably couldn't have done it a, yeah a, a tough, right. tough position to to lead from had i not done the work and i think that so that leads me to the like the next arc that i see um because then you, you went on to do some phenomenal things there uh didn't you lead like the the cvs account yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah so There's I another arc where we're headed. Tell up us again. about that. Yeah. That's really Explain cool. Explain that. Like, well, yeah, what does so that I mean? Went, what does that mean? I went from, you know, managing frontline and, and, and other managers in the sales function to, you know, running a large, what we call the key account. Now, I must tell you that I had avoided doing a job like that for as long as I could because I, for some reason, I just didn't want to do that kind of work. I wanted to stay with the direct teams that were making it happen on the street every single day. Right. But I realized that if I was gonna to continue to move my career forward, whether I stayed at Frito-Lay or whether I went someone else, that was gonna be a key experience I needed to have on my resume to move into the next level of executive role. Right. So, you know what, let me go ahead and get this done. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, the first you know, account assignment that I got was this huge drug. <laughs> yeah, be careful what you wish for, right? I've never called on a customer, you know, at all directly. And this is the first assignment that I get. So I learned a tremendous amount. It was tremendously challenging at the time, sure. um, but I had some great successes as well and, 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 and made the best of it. And then ended up going into a director role where I had the entire drug channel. So not only CVS, 
CVS, Walgreens, and Rite Aid for a very short period of time before I decided to leave and go to uh, the other company, the competitive company. Right. Now that's great. That's I, and I, I I like that for our listeners, especially our, our up and comers and our next generation of leaders. You know, it's it's not where you are today; it's where you want to be tomorrow, right? You didn't want to be there putting bags on the shelf, mm-hmm. but you knew <laughs> where you wanted to be tomorrow, and that's what you were working towards. And I think that's really cool. I like I like to point that out. Yeah, I, I always like to tell well, people, you know, it's it's fine to want to go straight to the top, right? But there's a whole lot of skill sets and experiences that you need to have that'll help you be a lot more effective along the way. And as long as those roles are helping you and teaching you, they're still beneficial, whether they're lateral or not. I tell people I did 50% of my roles were lateral positions. They weren't promotions and 50% of them were promotions. And the promotions I got were big promotions, but only because I took the the lateral and broad approach to developing my skill sets and experiences along the way. Hey, Mark, are you excited about this uh, 2021 Female Leadership Summit? Oh, David, this is going to be incredible. I can't wait. I am I am really pumped about it. The 2021 Brandology Female Leadership Summit is going to be your opportunity to access a wealth of leadership insight from a world-class faculty we've put together, ready to equip and inspire you regardless of your field or industry. Yeah, so each chosen leader will provide a short you know, five to 10 minute presentation on culture on leadership and practical ways to help you succeed. Um, there will also be a panel discussion on hot topics. Uh, the belief female leadership matters is more important today than ever before. Absolutely. That's why the 2021 Brandology Female Leadership Summit will give you access to this unique group of world-class faculty who will share their distinct perspectives, inspiring and equipping you with practical skills you can use right away. So don't miss the 2021 Female Leadership Summit only on Brandology Podcast. So subscribe and download the episodes to be notified of this upcoming event. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you. Yep. So what what drew you, you know, a lot of the people and a lot of the leaders that we've had on this podcast have always talked about the people first approach and i think you you formed an organization i believe it was when you were with pepsi uh best best life for you best you for life best you best you for life i apologize sorry about that so um explain to us what that is from the top and then and then i'm curious why what what drew you to to develop that approach yeah so i'll start with what drew me to the approach number one so you know My entire philosophy, you know, the person I became throughout my career as a leader really was born out of my experiences and challenge as in many cases, you know, one of only females in the industry, not industry, but in in my locations and or the only African-American many times. So that just came with some inherent challenges, you know, not necessarily all bad and and, and, and malicious or anything, but they were just challenges. Right. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, through that process, I wanted to make sure that no one else had to go through some of those same challenges. And I wanted to help create a culture um, where everybody's valued from day one and everybody can be their best version of themselves. And because of some of my challenges, I went on this huge quest and journey to become the best version of me. 
And, you know, I, instead of competing with my neighbor, I just competed with myself every single day. So learning became a huge passion of mine and learning how to be the best leader possible. And what did it really mean to be a good leader and to have responsibility over others' careers and how you maximize that? That became my driving force. And so, you know, fast forward into, um, I've always been an entrepreneur. So most people don't know that throughout my 26 year corporate career, I also always had some type of side business going at the same time, just kind of mm. how my mind works. And I yeah, you always kept the side hustle going. Yeah. And I think part of it yeah. was because I just had this high capacity for learning, had this high capacity right. for getting things done. And I knew at some point I'd want to, you know, when I grew up, I wanted to work for myself full time. And when that opportunity came, I wanted to be prepared and ready to go. Um, so that's how Best You for Life was actually formed. So I started that business four years before I actually left corporate America. Um, so I began to get certifications. I began to be very intentional in everything that I did in my corporate job to prepare me best for that transition. And my whole goal and focus of Best You for Life is to help people become the best version of themselves, whether individually, as a team within an organization or organizationally. And I do that through executive and business coaching, leadership development, and I love to inspire and motivate through um, public speaking. Now that, and so as, as I was kind of researching you and looking on some of the things you did, not only do you excel at everything you did, but even, even your, Sad hustle. So you you did um, a good period with Mary Kay, right? I did. And David, here's here's a, a little unknown fact. So rumor is, rumor has it, <laughs> that she did so well and exceeded so well at, at the Mary Kay thing. She got not one, but two free cars. Is that true? That is true. Wow. That is true. Are you kidding? That's, <laughs> That's impressive. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. So I built a wow. team of up to 50 well, up to 50 women, and in that process, wow. um, one 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 two free cars in two different cycles, um, and and I, it was funny. I was talking to somebody one day, and I didn't even realize this. I said, you know, I don't, and I don't say this in a bragging way. It's like I, I've only really worked for number ones. I worked for the number one salty snack company in the yeah. world. I worked for the number mm -hmm. one beverage company in the world. You know, I had a business with the number one cosmetic company in the world. And now I'm also associated with the John Maxwell team from a leadership perspective, number one and leadership. Number one in the world. Yeah. Right. So that I, is. It's not by yeah. design. I just looked up one day and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I guess I don't know how to do number two. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> well, you welcome know, you, to number two. Yeah. Welcome to number two. <laughs> you just figured we it are, out. You just figured it out. We are, we are trying to be number two. Someday <laughs> we will reach number two. We cracked the top 20, David. We cracked the we top cracked, 20. We, That's we right. We did crack the top 20. That's you know, right. you, you, you brought up a great point, Don. Um, you had mentioned that at some point you stopped competing against your neighbor, or, you know, or with the competition. Mm -hmm. You started competing with yourself. Great. Yeah. And I, I, as you said that, I look at sometimes being a competitive person myself. It's always, you know, how do I measure up against the competition? How do I measure, you know, whether that's internally, externally, whatever that may look like nationally. Um, but I see some of the best results I've had or some of the best achievements have been when I competed with myself, you know, mm -hmm. can I can I make myself better today? Can I win the day mm -hmm. and right. get more things done? So is that part of your uh, part of your leadership structure? Is that part of your messaging? It is. And that's why, you know, even the name of my business, Best You for Life, is all about st everything starts with you. 
um, if you're, you know, aspiring to to advance your career, it starts with you, like being the best version of yourself. If you're going to lead a large organization, you become the best leader when you lead yourself well first, then you can lead others. Um, so I just believe that, again, when you become the best version of yourself, um, it, it lends and enables you to give your best to others, which when you do that, then you're bound to continue to to grow into whatever it is you aspire to be and do um, in life. Exactly. That's fantastic. And, and that applies culturally too, right? When there are organizations that have a mission and a cause to them, and they focus on improving themselves and they focus on their organization and about how to, how to help their mission, as opposed to always be focused on the competitors, right? Um, I know that Simon Sinek has a thing where he spoke at an education conference one year at Apple and one year that same year at Microsoft. And Microsoft spent 80% of the time talking about how they could beat Apple. Right. They were looking this way. And Apple executives spent 100% of the time talking about how they can improve education and focus on integrating technology into the curriculum and how best to support teachers and to teach children. Right. And you just see how the two cultures are right one is one is focused on winning the day as mark said right and just improving uh the mission that they're on and the other is focused on the side angle right oh what are they doing what are they doing and when you do that think about it, it takes your sights off of what the real goal is it slows right. you right i think when you focus yeah. on being the best at whatever you're doing by default you could land in the number one spot. Right. Um, I was watching, of course, it's big time for football. Hopefully, I'm sure you guys can relate to the football yeah. analogy. And yeah, I, we are. We are familiar. By is it Dab Dabo Sweeney? Yeah. Uh, pronounce his name. Mm -hmm. And he said something that had just. I wrote it. I mean, I stopped and grabbed my phone. And I was like, "That is brilliant." And he said, "We focus. You know, I teach my teams to focus on the standard, not the scoreboard." And that's wow. kind of what we're saying. Focus yeah. on yourself, being the best version of yourself, and the rest is going to take care of itself. Yeah, that's uh, really good. We know that that has worked for him, and I'm sure it's going to work for him again. Yep. again um, yeah. as well. But I just thought, oh my goodness, I love that quote. Now that's really good. I'm curious. Um, so with the time you spent in executive leadership roles with Fortune 100 companies, mm -hmm. um, did you take away anything either positive or negative from the cultures there that you now put into a part of your, your coaching and leadership? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a yeah, great good question. question. I, I would say that the biggest thing I took away from both experiences was the, what I would call the drive for results. Okay. In both organizations, results were a, you know, very top of mind all the time. And of course it should be, you're running a business. That's why we are in business and that's how we stay in business. And so that drive for getting results combined with my passion for leading people well, when you put those two things together, that's where I think the real magic is. Yeah. Yep. So what I learned is that it, unintentionally a lot of times when you have so focused on driving results and results only, you can leave innocent bystanders on the side of the road and you can disenfranchise right. people, disengage people, maybe not intentionally, but it happens. It does happen. Yeah. So what mm -hmm. I learned from that experience is that, you know, people are the, I truly say this, and that's why the book, the book I wrote is called Heartbeat Leadership. People are, I believe people are the heartbeat of an organization. You know, the, the better your organization is, hopefully it, you, the better people that you have. And if you're going to continue to grow 
and change as the environment around you changes, people have to become just as much of a focus as your focus on results. Yep. When you put those things together, the sky is the limit. Yep. You are either one of those and you're going to be sub-optimized. Now, that's, that's kind of one of the uh, foundational shared beliefs that David and I have is that if you, if you find the right people and you have them in the right seat and they share the vision that it develops a culture and the culture really in itself can grow the business mm -hmm. just on its own. And that's kind of a, a foundational belief that David and I have. So it's yeah. great to hear that. Yeah. Um, well, I just, I just think it's good for business. I just think yeah. it's good for business. I mean, when you have people that believe what you believe, right? And when you seek clients and customers that believe what you believe, then the people that are working for you are not just there for a paycheck. They're right. there because they're there for the right reason. And if they have to work a Saturday, they don't care. Like they'll, they'll put their blood, sweat and tears into the job because they know you've got their back and right. you all are on the same page. You're all there for the, you're all playing the same game. You're all looking to, to, to score that next touchdown. It really makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's good. I mean, it's all based on trust, I think, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. It is. <laughs> Let me ask you That's this. Because take Mark, away. <laughs> no matter how much yeah. I do, at the end of the day, we've got to get results, right? This is not just come sit on the couch. Right. And talk about right. We've got to translate the challenges into some results and we need to be able to measure it. So I think that's really helped me differentiate myself as a coach because sometimes coaching gets a bad rap, right? That is, you know, the sure. results. It's just sitting talking to somebody and, you know, Unfortunately, many people hang the coach shingle and aren't, aren't necessarily representing the industry well. But at the end of the day, we've got to get results, whether that's leadership results, whether that's business results, whatever the challenge and the goal is, we've got to be able to measure it and we've got to have an action plan to get there. And if we can't articulate what that is, then we're probably wasting time. Yep. And I would encourage yep. the listeners to, to, uh, to go to your LinkedIn, definitely connect with you. But look at some of the reviews and some of the accolades that um, some of your previous uh, clientele that you've coached, look at some of their reviews, listeners, and see what they're talking about. I mean, this is results-driven coaching uh, at a mm -hmm. very high level. So it's uh, it's great to have you here, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so so hang, hang on. I, I, I want to ask. You were at both Pepsi and Coke, mm -hmm. right? That's... that's <laughs> interesting right that's like where i'm from that's like playing for the bears and the packers like those are like yeah i don't know how you got into both of those clubhouses right so how so can you tell us a little something that you noticed about those two brands or those two cultures like i don't know how, how like whether it's the pros and cons of each or whether it's you know pepsi always did it this way they mm -hmm. focus here but coke really did it this way i'm just so curious yeah so that's a great question i've been asked that before so what i would tell you is my pepsico slash frito-lay culture the way i would describe that i mean you talk about it was the best training ground for anybody mm. learning to do business well because everything yep. was broken down i mean daily weekly monthly quarterly was yep. this nautical focus around executing and delivering the results and getting to the number. Oh, I, wow. I, mean, I, I yeah. learned that like no metrics driven, metrics driven, very, very the metrics, whole thing. Yeah. Very, very metrics driven. Um, of course, and a very iconic brands in its categories as well. Right. Um, yep. High household penetration, all of, all of the work. When I went to Coke, it was like 
brand on steroids. Like I felt like when I walked into the culture, I'm not saying this in a negative way. It was a refreshing way that people were so passionate about the brand Coke. Like I didn't run into uh, ever really said a bad thing about the brand. I mean, everybody loved the brand. And you can tell that the culture was built around the iconic Coke brand. And so if, if no matter how challenging things got, that passion kept people, you know, uh, pouncing forward to deliver the goal. Now, I would say between the two cultures from a people perspective, because of the high regard for the brand itself, how do I phrase this? I felt it had more human, what's the word I want to use? Um, it was more of a family environment. It put it this way, it was closer to what I valued as a person. I saw more examples of, you know, families being talked about at the job, you know, uh, examples of high level executives who who valued the family and, and encouraged you to engage with your family all the time. Whereas I didn't see that as much at, at, at Frito-Lay. I felt like the results came at the sacrifice sometimes of the family side. Um, so it was a little bit, uh, a little bit not as balanced, if you will. And that's what attracted sure. people from, from Frito-Lay. Now, I will tell you that the value I brought to the table was they weren't asked. Yes, they were very results focused, but it wasn't still as monotical as, as my experience had been um, at PepsiCo. And so that's what I really was able to bring to the table, um, but felt like it was definitely a more of a balanced approach to driving results. That's, that's really cool. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, because that's. It's interesting, yeah, to see if there is a true delta between the two or if they're actually running parallel. Mm -hmm. So thanks for sharing that. That's really cool. And again, and always remind people because PepsiCo owned Frito-Lay, you know, it, that's still a little bit of a, Frito-Lay is still a little bit of a different culture than it would have been the beverage Pepsi. Right, right. Itself. Sure. So I was sure. Like, I didn't work in the Pepsi part of the organization, right. just the snack side. Right. Yep. So why don't we take a break and let's do a little brand culture trivia. Uh -oh. um, Don, I don't know if you've uh, checked this out, but there's, there's a lot at stake here. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play the, uh, play the intro and uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get started. We want to play the intro just so that you can understand the serious nature of what you're about to embark. <laughs> she may not come back after this day. <laughs> so hang on, let me share my screen here. People love to see what, podcasts i subscribe to and you can see all my true crime podcasts <laughs> and the brandology podcast also so here's the uh, intro for the trivia game and we'll uh, get started right after this ladies and gentlemen Welcome everyone to Brand Culture Trivia, where the points don't matter, but the brand does. In this segment, we play a trivia game against our guests. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, along with my co-host, David Morrow. David, tell us about the rules and the awesome prizes. Absolutely, the rules are as follows. You get to guess as fast as you can. You get as many answers as you want, and the first one to give the right answer wins a point. The first contestant to three points wins the game. What do you get if you win? Glad you asked. You get 14,684 Brandology bucks. That what is, is that worth? Those are absolutely worthless. But we might send you a sticker for playing. So let's get started with brand culture trivia. 
David, why don't you spin the wheel of trivia and see what our first question is? All right, here I go. It is a heavy, heavy wheel. And that is why, that is why uh, grown men should not uh, really start a podcast, but we, but we did it. So <laughs> let me, uh, let me get to this. Hang on. Let me stop sharing and we're back. Okay. All right. Good. So, um, all right. So we're going to start with question one. You know, for example, uh, just do it would be Nike, right? Uh, Breakfast of Champions would be Wheaties, right? So I'm going to say a slogan. You just mentioned the brand, and there's no um, harm I, in tech. I can mention the brand, like my brain doesn't freeze. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I am sure you will do well. So, um, okay, for question number one, are you guys ready? You're competing against Mark, who I believe has a stellar record of never having won a game. So oh, let's wow. see. So. <laughs> There's always the first, and I don't want to be the. I don't. I don't want to be on the episode where he wins. So, because he's cocky as it is. So, all right. So let's go. Uh, company slogan. I'm looking for the brand or product name. The best a man can get. The best a man can get. Oh my gosh. The best a man can get. I have no idea. Mark, I think you're on mute. Mark could have the answer right now, and I think he's on the Oh, right. I did. I did. It's uh, English leather. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's not English leather because it's not 1954, but good guess. <laughs> not, that's not right. That was a good it's, guess. It's not Old Spice. Ooh, nope. That's that was close. my next That's one. good. Um, yeah. The best yeah. a man can get. You guys are right in the field. Um, You're right there. No, it's, it's a cologne, maybe, or it's a... Levi's. It's something... Of, is it Levi's? Close, but no, no, it's not Levi's. Um, All right, I'm going to put this on the shelf. I'm going to shelve this one. All right, the answer is Gillette. Oh my God! The best Seriously? a man can get, Gillette <laughs> razors. All right, here we go. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Weren't they acquired by English Leather? No, no. no English Leather. <laughs> I don't think they have the funds to acquire Gillette. Okay. There's no English leather, leather stadium where sports teams play. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. Okay. That's true. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's blank. Lucky strike. No. For everything else, there's carcinogen cigarettes. No, that's not the answer. Say it one more time. There are, there are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's blank. This is crazy. I, I hear these things and I can't come up with the brand. I know. Oh, we all hear I told that. you this is my worst fear. When <laughs> it's okay. Brain freeze. All right. Game show person saying, tell me. I this know. It's a lot easier when you listen. It's a lot easier when you're listening or you're just observing them when you're actually playing. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm um, out. Can you use it in the form of a verb? Everything yes. else. Is there, are, there are some things money can't buy for everything else. There's blank. The verb is blank is the answer to this question. Um, Diners all right, club. I'm gonna hold it. Diners club. Close, but no. Again, there, I don't I know. Don't. I have no idea. It was Mastercard. Oh, I was there gonna are say some that. things money can't buy. 
for everything else, there's, there's metro. Nasty. There's no now it sounds there's right. no issues with guessing. Oh, yeah. Now it sounds I was gonna right. say right. American Express, but yeah. Yeah. And you it just go ahead and guess. Yeah. There's no harm in guessing. Um, because you can guess multiple times. All right, here we go. Slogan. We're gonna be here all Bet day. Bet you can't eat just one. Oh lace. Is that there right? you go. Yeah. It's one to nothing. Yeah. Now, if I didn't get that one, if I didn't get that one, <laughs> this right. was really bad. Really bad. I thought Mark was gonna I thought Mark was gonna say lucky strike again. What? <laughs> so, yeah. Did you have know. that one pre done? You didn't do that just for me, did you? No, 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 no it's there. <laughs> um all right. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's MasterCard. <laughs> Maybe no, she's maybe born, she's with, born it. with it. Maybe it's, luck. maybe it's revolving debt. <laughs> maybe it's luck. Maybe it's no. Maybe it's maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's blank. Mm. It's that about one. makeup. It's about uh, makeup. Makeup. Revlon. Oh yes. Maybe it's mascara. <laughs> Lashes. Close. Maybe you guys are getting Mary close. Kay. May, that nope. It rhymes. They're both verbs. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Mac. Mm. Uh, Lancome. All Clinton. good answers. Um, Mac. All good answers. <laughs> the answer like the is Maybelline. Maybelline. Maybe she's born with it. Uh, maybe it's Maybelline. May, you're right. This maybe it's Maybelline. Like I hear the song. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. That's the the trickiest thing about this is as soon as you say the answer, you're like, I knew that. I knew Everybody's that. Everybody's like, I, I knew our, that. It's in our subconscious. That's the problem. It's in our subconscious. Right. Yep. Fast enough. Yep. yep. All right. We're going to keep going. Maybe it's Maybelline. Yeah, of course. <laughs> now I'm going to have that song in my head all day. Right. America, America runs on blank. America runs on coal. Fuel. fuel. America runs on. America runs on blank. I will give you a hint. Chevron. As much, as much as I go to meetings at Starbucks. Coffee. I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of the taste. I prefer this brand. So, so it's not Starbucks. America. Yes. What was Mark, it? how did you not get that? Mark, I've been with you over 30 times, and I'm like, all right, we had the meeting at Starbucks. Can we run over to Dunkin' Donuts because I like their coffee? Uh, He's literally been with me. I've He's even got a bag in the kitchen. Multiple times. i got a bag in the kitchen. Yeah. So that's three. And, that, and I guarantee when you when you look at that bag, it's going to say America runs on Dunkin'. Never knew that. So, all right, it is two to nothing. Two for it's Dawn three. Kirk. Zero oh. for Mark Mosher. This is where we do a little math of the segment. <laughs> Where Mark, if you had a hundred thousand times as many points as you had right now, she would still be winning. So let's kick it up a little bit. Because a hundred thousand times zero is still zero. All right, it is two to nothing. This is game point. Let me see what we can do. Oh ho ho ho! I oh I'm so excited that Dawn is on. Uh oh. Merchant, because I've asked this numerous times and nobody's gotten this right. So okay. let's see if she gets it. It's a tough one. It's not easy. So merchandise. 7X is the secret ingredient for what product? Merchandise 7X is the secret ingredient for what product? Domino's I'll give pizza. you a hint. It's a I'll give you a hint. It's a soft drink. 
tab? No. It's a soft drink. Well, it's, it's not. It's not. Mm -hmm. You don't say that. It is. Yes. Actually, oh. yes. And she used the winner. form of a question. <laughs> yeah. It's Jeopardy. I switched games. I still, I still heard the answer. Oh, I still right. Heard the answer. But, you know, I, so I, hesitated. I hesitated because I really hadn't heard that. Well, it's something. Yeah, it's on it's on our. Uh, I have a whole team here of little green men and women that do all of these uh, uh, trivia questions for us. And that's one that they got right out of uh, right out of the the trivia books. Merchandise Seven X apparently is that must be what they call one of the ingredients, right? Yeah. They probably they, just call it that. The right? one that they they claim that is that we claim is a big huge secret that nobody knows what it is. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. What I well, right. The fact is that it's like KFC. It's like it's like KFC, right? Yeah. It's paprika, people. You can buy it, but we're not telling you. It's a secret sauce. It's a secret whatever. But you know. But then it I goes thought about the it. I thought Coke. about it in terms of you know Coke merchandise and all the branding that Coke right outside of a massive brand. What sure. I thought about too. So that's why I said Coke. Well, congratulations! Yay. You are the proud winner of fourteen thousand eight hundred sixty-four brandology bucks. I mean, that is a huge accomplishment. This is. This will be. On your, I'm sure on your, on your I'm history add it to here, LinkedIn this today. will be at the top. <laughs> I'm gonna add this will be added to LinkedIn. I'm, I'm right. looking for that. Right next to that I'm John, for that. John Maxwell leadership <laughs> yeah. coaching team. John Maxwell, I'm a, right next uh, to that. Brandology Buck Brandology. winner. <laughs> That's fantastic. Brandology Buck winner. All right, so let's, let's get back to the actual interview. And um, so you, you won a ton of awards. I mean, holy cow, when we looked you up, you were like Georgia's 100 most powerful and influential women. Um, Mark got that last year. I mean, it's just, yep. it's amazing. Yep. Um, well-deserved. I mean, um, yes, well-deserved. So tell us about your book, The, the Heartbeat, uh, Heartbeat Leadership. I mean, there's a whole list of awards that, that, that you won, but we're really interested in your, in, in your newest book. So, yep. Tell 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 us about it. How did it come about? First of all, like, so how did you decide this needs done? So um, it's been a long, a little bit of a long journey. So about hmm, I guess almost five years ago now, I had the opportunity to to write a chapter in a collaborative book with Brian Tracy, and I wrote a chapter mm -hmm. called "Success Is Personal." Again, you hear this theme of me and of all people, now. Brian Tracy is huge. Yeah. Brian yeah. Tracy, yeah, he's a and yeah. That's so fantastic. I just said. I'll try it, right? I don't have anything to lose. Yeah. So I wrote this chapter. I ended up in getting an editor's choice award for it. I, it kind of blew my mind. It's like, wow, we just kind of threw this together at the last minute. So that was kind of my first kind of step into writing. I had been challenged by friends like, you need to write a book. You should write a book. And I was really resisting. Mm -hmm. thing. I didn't really want to do that. I didn't consider myself a writer. Um, fast forward, I had a coach of my own. And um, we were talking and he's like, you know, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I'm like, no, I, I just feel like, you know, the things that I say are just not, they're not like earth shattering, like I need to put them in the book. And his statement back to me was, I'm, you want me to show you how many best-selling books are simple in, its, in, the, in the big scheme of things. He said, but if it was that simple, everybody would be doing it. Right. And I was mm -hmm. like, well, I never really thought about it that way. 
And I just kept making this statement as we talked about people and my passion around leadership. I always kept saying people are the heart of business. People are the heartbeat of business. And so that just kind of stuck. And so when he introduced me to the publishers I ended up uh, working with, we kind of took that statement and that's where the title Heartbeat Leadership was born from. It's like, you know, we could really do a nice analogy between the importance of the heart to the body and the person to how important people are to organizations um, overall. And that's kind of where the- Oh, that's a great meaning behind the title. That's fantastic. And so- So what, well, so yeah, so what's the book about? So the book is really about, a little bit about my journey um, through corporate America and kind of what I learned through the process. But most importantly, the number one question I was asked throughout my career from other people aspiring to higher leadership levels was how did you manage to keep this focus on both people and results? Doesn't it come at a trade-off? Like if I focus really hard on my results, don't I have to kind of ignore all the people stuff that you have to do? And if I really want to be good at people stuff, don't it don't want my results kind of slide when I go right. to do all this people stuff. And I said, you know, in my experience, the answer is no, you need to do both to optimize your performance. And so people right. are like, how do you do that? Because, you know, there's all these competing priorities you know, there's only so much time in a day. And I really hadn't thought about how I did it. I hadn't. And so I really started thinking back to some of my biggest leadership challenges and how did I manage to still keep this nurture, you know, this focus on people and development and coaching and training and still keep an eye on driving the results and delivering the results. And so I, how I came up with the six P's is what I talk about in the book. We use the analogy of the heart, we call them the six pulses. And they are priorities, preparation, um, people, process, um, promotion and, um, oh gosh, now I'm forgetting one performance and then promotion There we go. are the six Got it. It's off the top of my head. I usually keep my book nearby. <laughs> um, and, and so that's the framework that I talk through in the book. And I kind of break down each of those, um, pieces of how do you take those six things? And when you focus on these things, you can keep the right balance between people and results and maximize, um, your performance. I'm curious, Don is, um, is there one individual or one person that you look to that you kind of inspires you or motivates you or kind of drives you from a just in general from a leader? Yeah, just for, yeah, and in general standpoint. I, I would say for most of my life, to be honest, I mean, my I've modeled my leadership journey after John Maxwell. I remember yeah, at, that's what I was going for. Yes, age, <laughs> twenty years old, you know, first entering corporate America and realizing like, wow. I'm not sure this is, you know, what I thought I was signing up for from a leadership perspective. And I went on this journey to really find out what it meant to be a leader. You know, I'm a faith-based person. So I was looking for someone that had similar values to what I had. And I came across, you know, John Maxwell as being one of them. And I really loved his servant leadership yep. um, philosophy. And when I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how I like to be led. And this is what I believe is the most effective way to engage people and help them get to the next level. So that's who I've really patterned my leadership after my entire life. And that became really full circle for me when he created the John Maxwell team to, to create a legacy for his name and his leadership philosophy that I became a part of that. 
you know, after, you know, however many years that was of, of following him and reading his, you know, hundreds of books that he has. Yeah. How right. cool is that? That is so, that's such a great, great journey. That's really cool. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Because for the listeners that don't know, John Maxwell, you, I encourage you to go out and any any one of his books yeah uh but there's so many good ones but it's the principles behind it the driving force mm -hmm. uh the or style, open up linkedin if you open up linkedin look at any of the quotes there's going to yeah. be a john Maxwell quote right, in right 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 that's so true yeah. i mean so, and i mean I you went from pepsi you have pepsi coke pepsi coke best-selling author john maxwell and brian tracy yeah. so <laughs> and now and now at the pinnacle Brandology, right? Like it's all led. It's all You've led come to full this. circle now, Don. That's the greatest thing. I, 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 I think it's time full to hang circle. it up. I've accomplished all right? that. Right? Yeah. What are, you, what are you going to do from here? <laughs> we have many people that after the Brandology podcast interview, that's it. Yeah, I'm sensing, so, I mean, I'm sensing <laughs> Madam President. I, I think they have, yes. Madam President Don Kirk, yes. <laughs> We, we would get things done, that's for sure. Let me ask, when, um, when you were a child, mm -hmm. what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you think it would be like this? I mean, because you've had a great journey. I don't know what you aspired to be when you were young, but boy, you kind of hit everything along the way, I would say. It, it changed along the way. So, I, so it's, it's going to sound hmm. really funny. When I tell you the first thing I wanted to be, believe it or not, was a nurse. And the reason okay. really like very simple because I grew up with allergies. And so every week I got a shot in each arm. And so I said, when I grow up, I want to be a nurse so I can give other people some of these shots. So that was the depth <laughs> of my passion. That's for funny. So quickly realizing that I didn't like science that way, I said, that's probably not the career for me. Right. Um, and then I went down the path of wanting to be an accountant. And the reason I wanted to be an accountant, because I love numbers and um, my I think it was my sophomore year in high school, I had this what I thought was an accounting course. It really was a bookkeeping course. And, you know, there's oh, a drastic yeah. difference between yes, accounting yes. and bookkeeping. But I got excited. I'm going to be an accountant. And that's what I went to college for was to be an accountant. And then, um, you know, probably about my junior year. So I'm like, ah, I think I picked the wrong um profession, but I still love numbers. And I grew up with the philosophy mm -hmm. that once you start something, you don't quit. And so, you know, to mm -hmm. me, it was too late in the game for me to be changing my uh, career or my my um, degree. So it's like, I'm going to have to kind of fight this out and tough it out, but I'm going to have to have a plan B because, you know, you got to be like <laughs> top of your class at that time to be hired by the big six and all of that. And I was like, I don't think that's in my future. So I did an internship one summer in accounting where I got a chance to really see if I was going to like this or not. And I was like, you know, I'm really not an at the desk type of person. I want to be out with people. And then the next summer I entered, I told you earlier. Oh, with Frito Lays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. wow. He's like, this is it. I love sales. I love that's really what it's about, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really whether you want to be behind the desk or whether, and both are equally valuable. Yeah. We need both, yeah. but um, it's, it's, it's whether you want to be behind the desk or standing up in front of people, Spreading the message. I mean, exactly. That's really what it, what it boils down to. So that's during fantastic. my job search, I put out two resumes. The first one was saying I wanted to be an accountant, which I really didn't, but I wanted to see if I could land a job. And the second one was a sales um, objective. And I still I still have this notebook literally in my basement in a box of all the rejection letters that I got. Oh, wow. And all that's the really resumes cool. that I sent out. Um, <laughs> 
And then I went down the sales route. And then the third thing is I always wanted to run my own business. So I've grown up around entrepreneurship my entire life. I started my first business at the age of 12. I was in the, I had a lawnmower in business. So my dad would load up in his pickup truck, the lawnmower in the back of the truck and would drive me around and I would cut lawns. Um, God, I love that. That's a great lesson. Yeah. That's a great lesson to teach a child. That's brilliant. And my dad owned some apartment buildings. So, you know, on Saturday mornings when most kids are outside playing, you know, my dad would take us. We we hated it. We were kicking and screaming all the time, but we would go and have to help clean up the apartments after somebody moved out and get it ready for the next tenant. Um, My dad was an engineer by trade, but he had, he was always on the side gigs doing carpentry work, building decks and Mm -hmm. So there was times I was shingling roofs on, on a garage or helping him build a deck, all the things I absolutely hated. But what I learned through that entire process was work ethic. And that if you were going to, you if you were willing to work hard, you can have whatever you wanted. And that stuck with me throughout my entire career and life, no matter how difficult it got to work, find a way, make a way to, to, to fight through it anyway. And then when you get done and you finish it, if you don't want to go back to it, that's fine, pick something else. And that's kind of how I've lived my life. That's fantastic. So let me ask you, as we as we wrap up, what is your, what's your, you know, in the words of Jim Collins, right? Like, what's your BHAG? What's your big, hairy, audacious goal? What are, like, in the future, like, what are you, what are you aiming for? That's a great question. Um, and I, if I was to answer, like, right now, if I think about kind of what's on my bucket list or my goals, is, you know, I'll start with the, the financial ones, is I want to have, you know, a seven-figure business this year like yep. that's BHAG mm-hmm. for sure yep. but secondly I, I want to have multiple streams of income to the point where I don't have to continue to trade time for money that's my yeah. big hairy mm-hmm. audacious goal to the point where I can just be free to teach and coach however whenever whether mm-hmm. I was getting you know a dollar for that particular transaction or not I want to teach people how to I'm on a wider scale on how to go after what you really dream about, what you really want, and how to map a plan to go get it. I want to help as many people as possible do that um, in their lifetime and be the best versions of themselves and reach their maximum you know, potential. Because I believe everybody has something to offer and value to give. And if you have value, you can get paid for it and, and yep. earn the living that you really want to have. And, Absolutely. and legacy and impact um, that lives on beyond you. Shout out to Mark and David for season two of Brandology. It's entertaining, funny, and full of cool stories. Play hilarious brand trivia and talk with famous guests like founders of iconic brands and industry leaders. Brandology is available everywhere now, so go check it out and see for yourself. Coming soon. That's fantastic. Well, Dawn, thank you so much for your time today. Yes. We will have uh, the, the links to your book and to uh, ways to get in touch with Dawn Kirk um, in the story of this uh, podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Dawn, we wish you the very best. And you will be on our uh, Female Leadership Summit this coming January, so we're excited about that. Yeah. Yep. Um, we'll, we'll get you all that information and get you going on that. So um, thank you once again, and Happy New Year. Yes. Thank you. Happy New Year to you guys. This was a lot of fun. Thank I, you, Dawn. I'll be a brandologist. That's our goal. All right. <laughs> That's our goal. Tell Excellent. your friends. All right. Yes. Well, yes. thank you so much. Thanks, All right. Dawn. Well, we, we will definitely be in touch, and we will talk soon. All right. Sounds good. This thank you. This is definitely not the last time you will be on this, and it'll not the last time we will be talking. So. Yep. Sounds good. Great. 
All right. Thanks, Don. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Hey everyone, Mark and I are really grateful you guys listen and download. We're trying to make this season even better with brand stories and cool interviews with uh, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and things from behind the scenes that we just can't find anywhere else. We're trying to make this something we ourselves enjoy listening to. Do us a favor, please leave us a review. When you go into Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podchaser, just shoot us a review. That really matters and it helps us keep this going. Again, thanks for listening. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening.